You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Primal Radio, I'm here with my co-host Tom McGrath, and we are without the Alana today. Alana is ill, so she won't be in this week, unfortunately. She's um, got pneumonia or something like that. But anyway, Tom, how are you feeling, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Pneumonia sounds pretty serious. I hope yeah. it's not that. No, no, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, she's uh, pretty sick. So for her not to be uh, at the gym training and to be here, she's pretty punctual and on time and uh, and whatnot. But so uh, I know she was sick, and we were hoping that she could make it today. But she informed me this morning that it was a no-go. Uh, I think she's headed to the doctor or something like that again this afternoon okay. for whatever they I mean, do. If she's listening from her bed, get well soon, kid. <laughs> yeah, you're funny. Hey, it was a great show last week with Locke. Uh, it was. It was really good. Uh, very entertaining. And I really think we could have gone on for, for much, much longer talking to him. A lot of topics to go on. But I went back. It was very entertaining. I, I did enjoy it. And um, did, 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 yeah. did Locke give you, Locke give you any feedback? Uh, he he really enjoyed it. He, he, of he was course, great it was about him. <laughs> the, f- the funny thing is, it's like as, each time you know when you when you listen back to them, they they always sound better and better. And um, right, I think I think because we're all old friends, it, it kind of flowed really nicely. Right. Um, you know, I know you haven't met Pat before, so it's it's a bit less natural, for example, than yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, dealing with Black. You know. Oh yeah, of course. Like, and there's going to be other people that we interview that you're you're really not going to know other than reading about them, or maybe you've been fortunate enough to meet him or something like that but yeah like was was great and a, and a lot of fun and and you can you know go back and listen to all those on hamiltonradio.net on the archives um and for those uh, who uh, care we're on saturday nights at 9 p.m in the uk and 9 p.m in the new york uh, eastern standard time and um and uh, you can go back i think they're on spreaker too right our shows that's right. Yeah. And now yeah, we yeah. had an interesting. Tom had sent a little, a little um, a note to me about perhaps putting on some other venues, like like iTunes or something like that. It, it was just a thought, and I, I know this will be uh, new to Gene. No, so, no, uh, I don't want to. Uh, hey, Gene, throw any ideas? Hold on, aren't... Tom. Gene, be, feel feel free to hop in on the mic here oh, yeah, if you yeah, want yeah, to. Hop no in. problem. Okay. Um, so Gene is oh, the owner of the station, and, and he uh, is uh, the engineer, and been in radio for what twenty five years, Gene? Yeah, about twenty five. A, lo- a lifetime. It's so as long as time. you longer than you've been doing martial arts, Tommy. So Tom had <laughs> said he was looking into putting it perhaps on iTunes, iTunes Store or something like that. Yeah, I know it, nothing about yeah. this. Okay, Tom again. I've got into podcasts over like the last three months or yeah, so. And uh-huh. They're like free. You subscribe and then you just get fed with the shows whenever you're connected to a Wi-Fi connection. Gotcha. Um, I, I listen to about five different ones. Who do you um, listen to? Uh, I listen to that Tim Ferriss guy. Tim uh, Ferriss. Jocko yeah. Willick. You know, that Jocko. Jocko is good. Yep. Um, I listen to one about my soccer team. Um uh, one, another comedy one about soccer, which is just like basically a, lo- a load of ex-pros talking about what happened when they used to get drunk and all that kind of thing. Gotcha, yeah. Um, I think that's about it, you know. What about uh, Joe Rogan? You listen to Joe Rogan? No, it, it, as I say, it's been like a new thing for me. I, no, I've, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I'm just like checking my list now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's about it, really. So how did you, how did you discover Tim Ferriss? Um, 
I can't remember. I think I read the book. I think I read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah, uh, good luck with that. Which obviously appeals to everyone. And then then I read The 4-Hour Body. Um, I started following him on Facebook, and then I signed up for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's got some pretty good interviews. Like I was listening to the, the one right. of the classic ones is him with Jamie Fox, um, which, oh, yeah. which I'd recommend to anyone. But Jamie Fox kind of interviews himself, really. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll give Tim too much credit for it. No, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's he's fairly interesting. I've listened to the podcast maybe two times, um, and uh, he's decent. There's another one you should probably check out called Impact Theory, which okay. is pretty pretty interesting. The guy does similar things, interviews people like that, but. I don't even know the dude's name, uh, to, to be brutally honest off the top of my head, but I find him pretty pretty interesting. Good interviews. Does it uh, where his video stuff and whatnot. And there's, I'm sure there's tons out there. I've kind of checked out some. Some are f- much better than others, more interesting. Even the people you'd think might be interesting uh, sometimes fall short because the talk on the radio for an hour or, or whatever it is or for two hours is not that easy to do. People think they'll just do it, and they often think they're incredibly interesting and uh, they find out they're not. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So for everyone who's uh, listening out there, uh, all around the world, this isn't easy. This is not easy, <laughs> and you know all the preparation that goes into this throughout the week. <laughs> yeah, hours, hours, hours. Okay, so how does this work? So we take our our show that is already broadcast all over the planet in 170 yeah, plus just countries. Stick it on as a podcast on 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 Sunday. So there's there's some sort of uploading porthole, and then. And, then um, you know, it, it would it would it would then appear on people's phones, like you know, whenever we wanted it to, maybe Monday morning or something like that. So you you would have already had the benefit of it going out live on air, Gene. So how how does that work? Yeah. So you had Gene, you're off, or you're not on, buddy. <laughs> okay. Uh, no. Uh, the way it works is we just send them the information, Tom. Basically, that's it. So whatever. If you get a chance or you get time, um, you can either send them the downloads or find out how I can do it. And I'll be able to, every time I send them to other places, I'll be able to send it to them right away. And then we'll be able to get, you know, three or four places at once. Yeah. I, I read an article on it. They just said, like, you, you know, you need like a, um, some artwork as an image. And then and then you just upload the file. Just give me, give me your, whatever you got. got or, yeah. oh, okay. Or I'll. You know, use what I have and for yeah. time being, whatever you want to do. So this is what's yeah. going to put us over the top in showbiz or what? <laughs> well, it's going to get you more notice. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the two things are, one, if you can make things readily available to people right. and in, in the format that they like, that will, that will benefit um, – uh, you know that that will ben- that will benefit everyone, and the other one is like you know, how how I was talking about how to sort of widen the market, which I right. feel if you get the likes of people like Pat O'Malley that has a has a big following yeah. um, in the FMA world, then their students will um, or, or or their connections, acquaintances, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, might die, might listen to that one episode. If they like it, then hopefully they'll they'll stick with the show, and you know, you may hopefully you gain more people than you lose. Well, can that you, can I get I, I I don't have an iPhone. Can I get it on my Droid? How does that, that I'd have to look into. I, I've got an iPhone, so it's uh, you know that, that's that's why I've gone straight to that one. But I, I would imagine they have all the same stuff, right? I would imagine it. Well, um, why would you? Uh, yeah, why would they not have you do that? I, I don't know. I've never tried, quite honestly. It's just it's an interesting thought. I'm not opposed to it in any way. So you know, we'll, we'll obviously you know look into it, and if we can make that happen, you know, uh, we'll make it happen. We'll start it. Start it next week, maybe. I don't. Know, we'll look into it and pop it out there. That might yeah, be pretty absolutely. cool. Doesn't take long. No, it doesn't take long mm-hmm. to do it all. It's a quick download, and then we we go from there. But um, hey, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on. I I, I don't know if 
Tommy, of anything in particular. But one of the things I want to talk on about obvious, well, I don't know if it's obvious. There's two things. One is the St. Pierre Bisbing fight, which took place this past weekend at Madison Square Garden in New York City, uh, which uh, we kind of touched on last week. We really didn't do a whole show on it. I want to talk about that. Also about a, a future fight promotion uh, that I'm going to be doing at, at the gym. Uh, that'll be coming up in January. Let me touch on that one first. So uh, our boy Scrap Bunch fought for the 141-pound title from the WBF. It's an amateur title. It's a worldwide organization. It's a World Boxing Foundation. And uh, one of the promoters came into the gym last night, and Scrap has to defend his title. you got to defend it about every three months, and we're actually probably a little bit behind schedule, not because of us, but because of them. And um, so we're going to do the fight. I think we're going to have the fight January 20th. And, and we're going to do the fight at the new Primal Gym. We're going to promote the fight at the gym. Now, the new gym is 10,000 square feet. It's gigantic. Plenty of room for the fight. We have the ring and so on and so forth. So it's looking like that is going to be uh, our first event at, at, with my new promotion company. And it will be at Primal Gym. Probably get 500, 700 people there. Uh, the, I believe there'll be the 141-pound fight title defense, which is our boy Scrap fighting for it. And then there'll be the 152-pound title fight as well. I don't know. There might be 15 fights or so like that. But uh, be on the lookout for that at uh, PrimalGymNJ.com. Listen to us on Hamilton Radio, and then we'll we'll announce that coming up. It's a real good local event for local fighters. We'll have uh, we'll, we'll do the, the radio show from there and, um, you know, promote the heck out of the fight. But that, that just kind of came into play last night, and I believe it, it looks like 99% sure that's going to be done. I have to, after the show today, is I have to speak with the uh, the local promoter and kind of flesh that out. But uh, anyway, that's good for us. That's good for scrap and good for boxing in the, in the area. So, so Jim, just, just, just explain to me. So, so this guy, he, he walks into your gym. Right. He doesn't like sending you an email or a phone call. So it's like, kind of like a challenge fight. So like, I want to fight your guy <laughs> and I'm in, in your gym doing it. Right. No, 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 no. The promoter who I know came to the gym. He brought a couple fighters to our gym to fight a couple of our fighters. So in boxing, you don't have all the talent, all the people that at the, your, the appropriate skill level for your fighter. So we have a girl there who's been with us for a little bit of time. She's about 140 pounds. She's like 5'8". So this other coach who happens to be one of the promoters, the local promoters for this international organization here, who promotes a lot of fights, he came in with these girls to fight my girl. You follow what I'm saying? So that was what yeah. the, 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 Prior to that, the day before, the WBF contacted us and said, we need to have a title fight. Through the discussion of the promoter, the guy who's in charge of the Northeast, right, of, of, of this organization, I said, well, we're getting a new place. Why don't we do it there? Now, the last fight was in Atlantic City at the Claridge. Yeah. Much- it was a great opportunity for you to say, show me the money, but you, you missed it. <laughs> I did, because it's... it's <laughs> It's not always about the money, obviously, because you should see my bank account. <laughs> but anyway, that's sort of how it that how it came to fruition. And then, so we're walking from there, and I think it'll be good because the plan is with Primal Promotions next next year is that we're going to put on six MMA events, uh, some at the gym, some in, in the local central New Jersey area, maybe Atlantic City. I'm not sure if I want to bring it down to Atlantic City. There's a variety, re- a lot of reasons to bring it there, and a lot of reasons not to bring it down there. Uh, there's a void in the market for the, the MMA and kickboxing. Uh, we have all the uh, everything ready, set to go for that. So that, and plus, I'll probably do six amateur boxing events. So I'm probably looking at about a dozen shows 
maybe more. It's real going to be really busy for me to do all this, but it it's where we kind of need to go, and I'm willing to take on that challenge. So anyway, that's what happened with the WBF. That sounds great. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's I I already work 17 hours a day. I think I'm probably good for 20. And, uh, <laughs> and I did put in a request to the Almighty that we add a few more hours on here, you because know, so, <laughs> I need it, man. Like today, get a load of this today. So. I normally am at the gym by about 4 a.m. <clears throat> Matter of fact, Sunday, this past Sunday, I was at the gym at 4 a.m. doing stuff. And I worked till like 6 at night. And uh, But I, uh, my 5 a.m. had canceled the day before. So I said, hmm, I think I'll just kind of lay around a little bit longer. And I woke up at 6 a.m. And in my world, that's like sleeping till noon. You know, I'm like, good Lord, I've wasted the day. <laughs> I love it when people go, I get up early like 7 a.m. I'm like, ah, my day is half over. I'm at lunch, you know, at 7 a.m., you know, and I don't stop. I don't slow down because once you do that, it's it's all over. So uh, I'm full of energy. It doesn't matter. I don't slow down. Ever. Jim, have you heard, heard this one? Like, how do, how do you get an extra hour on your day? This is like from the self-improvement world. Yeah, you, you sleep faster. Nah, they, what they say. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> although that's good, that's a good idea. <laughs> they, they say like you, you have to get up earlier. So it, it, you know, because if you get an extra hour on the end of your day, so if you go up, to, you take your twenty fifth hour. Actually, you're eating into next day. So you right. just got to get up earlier and earlier. And that Jocko Willett guy, he gets up at four thirty a.m. every day. Late. Um, and that's a key part of all his books. Yeah, Jocko's and, great. Um, I'm a fan of his. I I bought the book. Um, Extreme ownership. Uh, yeah, me I, I, I read like five books at once. Um, I'll read one for an hour. The next one, I, I mix and match. I don't know why I do that. It works for You're me. Like Johnny Five in that film from the eighties. <laughs> Johnny Five. Remember that? No. <laughs> what is this movie? Johnny Five, and there was like a, a guy. There, there was um, who, it was like a robot, and it was it, it developed a personality. It was like a oh, kind of a kids yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And they had like a guy with a really bad Indian accent in it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I do. It's alive, he'd say, and all that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but who knows? Why? When I read it that, read that way, it works for me when I read. So I, I bought that book recently. I just started it with a few different, a few others on different topics, on different things. And I, I meant to purchase Lack's book this week, and I, I did not. So I will, is his book available on Kindle, or do I have to buy a hard copy? Um, I would prefer the hard copy, but since I travel, it's just easier on the Kindle. I, I can drop a copy off to you. I mean, I think they're available on Amazon. Whether, well, then I'll buy it on Amazon. Like I'd rather, yeah. And then I'll have them sign it when I, when I see them. But when I tra- years ago, before Kindle, or maybe I wasn't that connected, so I would travel to wherever I was going, I would literally bring about 20 pounds of books in my backpack because I, I would bring like the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, and I'd bring yeah. the Chinatown kickboxing, and I'd bring – a book on enlightenment, you know, because I'm I'm almost Zen. Let's not forget. Yeah, <laughs> and of course. Then, yeah, yeah. And then whatever else it is, you know, how to pick up chicks or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I've, I've read a few books <laughs> on that myself <laughs> as well. <laughs> never, never seemed to never seemed to work. But uh, anyhow, so the fight. Did you watch the fight, the Saint Pierre fight, Bisping fight, or just highlights? I, I, so, so, so you you shared the link actually, and I, did. I, I watched the fight afterwards. I, okay. I was uh, I had another training weekend with uh, Pat and the guys at Mindflow and stuff. Yeah. Um, so the the fight, I thought it was a great fight. Um, yeah. I, one thing that surprised me was there was quite a big deal made of um, uh, Bisping's superior size. 
Right. And and when I saw them in the ring, I didn't really think it looked like he was much bigger at all, but probably just because GSP's in such great shape. Yeah. Um, and then the state of each other's faces by the end of the fight, it, you, you don't always see that where they, they've really caved each other's faces in uh, repeatedly. And, and I thought the fight at times could have gone could have gone both ways. Bisping really? did well to escape escape the guard once in um, uh, the second round. Um, and, and and there was a stage where um, Bisping was on Bisping was on the ground. Right. Um, and he, he was putting elbows onto GSP. He did a great a job. Damage. I mean, he was covered in blood. So, so right. I, I thought it was a brilliant fight. What were right. your thoughts? Well, no, I think so. I think GSP really, he, he filled out. He filled up naturally. I mean, I think he was saying he's more naturally a 155 pounder. And, yeah. uh, and uh, he, he bulked up, you know, and he did it right. Years ago, I don't know if you know, Evander Holyfield was a light heavyweight or a cruiserweight. You know, under 200 pounds or 201 to, 90, uh, to 195 pounds. He wanted to be, and he, he had dominated that division. And there was, and look, there's no glory in being a cruiserweight or a light heavyweight. No one gives a shit. You know, a lot of great fighters were there, but you're in no man's land. You may be yeah. a middleweight with like Sugar Ray Leonard, stuff like that, or Tommy Hearns, or, you know, back, whatever back in the day. But, um, <clears throat> but no, no one cares about that way. So, uh, Vander Holyfield had the bulk up and he worked out with, uh, uh, Lee Haney he used to be a professional bodybuilder, real tough guy. And and when he bulked up, he was able to do it appropriately. He put on the proper amount of muscle, the proper amount of athleticism, and so on and so forth. Which at that time really, it wasn't done as much as today. More science guys, yeah. smarter thinking about it. But back then, often the reason boxers or fighters didn't lift weights because they put on unnecessary size. Then you're fighting a guy who's much bigger naturally, right? But anyway, yeah. GSP did a great job of it. So you're right. I thought. He was the bigger fighter, actually. Seemed stronger. He pushed Bisbing back kind of at will. Gave some, has a tremendous jab. Bisbing, I think, did fear the takedown like they were talking about. And yeah. and then GSP obviously took him down at will. Uh, and even though um, Bisbing got up uh, you know, a couple of times, but you know, those are points that are scored. You cannot be, yeah. uh, you know. <clears throat> so I thought GSP definitely took the first round. Um, you know, 10, 10, nine round and not like yeah. enough to win, whatever that is, you know, sure. with a, with a good punch or a kick one way or the other could have changed uh, the dynamics of that round. Second round, I it was arguable, arguable. I thought it could have won either way. Like you said, I thought Bisbing did a tremendous job on the bottom with those elbows, the dirty boxing kind of thing from your back. Excellent yeah. job. I've never seen anyone do it that well, quite honestly. Um, and GSP, I believe Joe Rogan was saying, was getting the worst of it. He was, he kept him off balance using his feet and the hips and delivering those elbows and those short punches. And I thought for a second or two that I thought GSP perhaps maybe should have got the fuck back up on his feet, you know. And um, so that could have argued. Did you? I didn't get the official score on that fight. Did you ever see the official score of that? No, fight? no, because I've only seen that link. I don't mean I don't mean it came up. Yeah. Um, I thought there, there was a there's a lot to be, to be interested in that fight, and there's not always that many fights that sort of capture your imagination. But I don't I don't think by any means Bisping is the best fighter. That I've no, ever no, seen. I don't think so either. But he, he he's tough, and you, he you know he can go he can go the full length, and 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 probably have a bit more in the tank often. Right, um, and, and he, he's he's done he's had so many fights. 
and he's a tough guy. And I think I think uh, whilst whilst GSP is a superstar, obviously I, I like Bisping because he's a British guy and, and he's tough. He's he's just physically and mentally tough. Um, and you know, from that perspective, I, I was kind of hoping he'd win. And I wondered how rusty GSP would be, given he hasn't fought for ages. Right. And, and that, and there didn't seem to be any cobwebs there. Right, right, right. I mean, it, it, it um, it's tough to come back from that many years off <clears throat> and to, to obviously fight a fighter. And Bisbee's probably not uh, the best of the best, but he's certainly up there. He's on a five fight win streak he's tough as nails he'll keep coming um you know so uh he uh now here, it's interesting now here here we go i just pulled it up the scoring uh from the fight out of curiosity and um uh i guess these were the uh official uh, 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 uh judges critchfield scores the round 10-9 st pierre uh, Knapp scored at 10-9 St. Pierre. Nelson scores the round 10-9 St. Pierre. That was round one. Yeah. All right. Round two, well, here's what we got. They scored um, Yeah. Ooh, this is interesting. Uh, Critchfield scored it 10-9 for Bisbing. Knapp scored it 10-9 for St. Pierre. And Nelson scored it 10-9 for Bisbing. So that would be a majority decision on that one. So you, they would get closer. Obviously, round three, there's no score because the fight was ended. Yeah, so, sure, sure. So we're right on point there, at least with the judges. And sometimes the judges, good lord, can have incredibly terrible scores, but scoring. But that that would I would say that was reasonable. I think round two, as we said, could have gone either way. And uh it didn't even uh, in round two, didn't um Bisbing catch him with a good shot there too, kind of stunned him a little bit, if I remember. Yeah, right. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. There was there was a few good moments for Bisping for sure. And I, I thought he did, as I say, he did well to right. escape the guard um in in that round two, he did. I, I, I was very impressed by GSP's boxing. Um, right. I, I, I think of him as just being a ground fighter, but but um, he, he looked tight. Um, and, and and I think you look see a lot of bad punching in the UFC, but no but um, he, he, he looked very good. He did. He did. And then of course, you know, third round, uh, <clears throat> Saint Pierre caught him, dropped him, jumped on him, went to work on him a little bit, and. Um, is being exposed his back and St. Pierre was, you know, right on him with a, yeah. a really tight choke. And there was no chance of escape. That was locked on. I mean, it was deep, from the second he wrapped his arms around his throat, it was over. And I got to give Bisbing credit too. I got to tell you, you, I knew he wasn't going to tap. He just said, screw this. I'm going out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 no, yeah. You saw there was not, he <laughs> yeah. didn't even think about it. Yeah, he's a tough guy. He he's is a tough, a tough dude. Now, now, you know, I don't know if he gets a a, a rematch. Probably not. Um, now, the, the, who who is um, Saint Pierre going to fight next? If anyone, who knows? Would you? If you were, excuse me, if you were Saint Pierre, you made this glorious comeback after four years off, going up two weight divisions, beat yeah. beat the man. Would you retire and say, "All right, I did it," or would you go on? Who would he fight next? Who would you, if you were Dana White, who would you make him fight next? Would you try to match him up against a McGregor, which would be the money fight? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, who McGregor fights is, is is definitely an interesting one, and like the the the, um, the, the, the tides of the sea seem to change quite regularly. So, right. so I think everyone everyone's saying Ferguson now, but then we were talking recently about it being Diaz 
number three, which frankly I, I would have been quite bored by. I, I, I don't been, really care about it. Yeah, yeah. There's been talk of him going up to to fight Woodley. Um, is Woodley in the same division as as um, as GSP now or not? Uh, I think so, but I'm I'm not. Okay, so they're not sure. they're not far away then. If, right, if, right. Um, it, Right. And guys are now now the money's getting up there. Guys are more willing to kind of jump up, and we go to catch weights and stuff to to make stuff happen. It's and it's a benefit, obviously, for the UFC to kind of jump. Other guys jump between weight divisions to. um, Did did I ever tell you I I trained briefly with uh, Roy Jones Jr. You touched on it. Interesting. Where did you do this? So so he he came when I was at that real Fight Club that uh, where Doctor Watson. And I used to go to. Um, they used to host guys. I don't know, a couple of times a year, they'd have a famous boxer who would pass through, and 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 they they do a bit of training. And we did about right. two hours, and it was. It, I went there on my lunch break, and I was like, I'll, I might be slightly late to my boss. And then, classic as as with all boxers, he turned up super late, and I ended up missing the whole afternoon. That's right. But so, so I don't think I went back to work at all. But we did like two hours of um, boxing training with him. And the reason I mention him is just because he, he was a guy that did float around between different weights a lot in his career. Right. But I tend to think people can go up the weight, but they can't go back down. It's tough going back down. Um, and that was something that I think he failed to do and kind of, I guess, messed up the tail end of his career a little bit. Um, right. I think he might have won, won one actually going back down down the belt, but it messed it messed around with him sort of thing. And I've I, I read a lot of that rather than saw it in evidence. But, yeah, um, yeah that's my little uh, Roy Jones Jr. You didn't inspire him or nothing? Nah. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Well, here's my interesting connection with Roy Jones Jr. Is that the WBF, I know uh, Roy is um is a champion in there and he has also got some connection with the promotion company that I uh may be working with in a, a dual promotion with Primal Promotions for the WBF title at my place. And I and not that long ago Roy Jones had called Scrap and spoke to him on the phone um about something. So that's some sort of a connection. So look if he's in the area maybe we get him out to the fight or something like that. Roy I was always a tremendous fan of he was a great fighter. Um at one time, he was actually kind of boring to fight, watch fighting. He was on HBO, and he was just slaughtering everybody, and just it was dominant. Matter of fact, I don't think they they didn't want to put it on pay per view. Then he went up, you know, to a heavyweight and stuff, and really one of the best pound for pound fighters ever in the game. He did. He recently fought a guy, Tommy Gunn or something like that, or. Uh, from Bare <laughs> Tommy Guns from Rocky Five. I know, but it's an actual fight. He's fifty now, but he did have a fight recently. Or against um, a bare knuckle. A guy, but they did it with boxing. But Tommy, I mean, I'm Tommy. Good, great Lord. Um, Jones beat him. Yeah, uh, destroyed him. I, I don't really agree with those kind of fights. I, I think. Um, you know, there, there is there is an age where where people just because of their name and reputation. We talked about this in one of the earlier shows, but it's it's, it's that whole celebrity thing. You know, we we we'd rather see someone who's a big name from when we were younger than develop a new big name. And, and right. I think it's a shame and a discredit on people like Scrap who are coming coming through and legitimately a lot better than these guys. But the, the big old names will still pull a big crowd. Right. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a big push over here now for some. Trying to legitimize, legitimize bare knuckle boxing, and um, it's really not fan friendly necessarily. But um, 
Okay. It's the next logical step, right? You kind of go, you've got, you've got boxing, which is commercial. Then you go to UFC, which is a bit more brutal. Right. And maybe you just say, look, fuck it. We'll have full on uh, bare knuckle. And, right. then, and then you go back to the gladiatorial days, maybe, where, where you actually have people chopping each up, right. cover up with swords and tigers in the rear. And all <laughs> yeah. that well, the problem, <laughs> look, this stuff, we never really joined Junior. His name was Bobby Gunn and stuff. And who was actually a very good boxer and, and banger, but Roy's at a whole nother level. And back when I fought, I did some of this. And um, but there was no pay per view, there was no glory. You know, it was very brutal, and no gloves, no wrapping on your hands, and it was pretty nasty. But uh, trying to legitimize it, whether they can do it or not, I don't know. Um, it's not really. You often look. You've seen the Irish fight, the travelers fight, and they're usually some big tough guys, but they're not great fighters no that, i mean that's all about sort of um respect and and sort of feuds between families right in, uh, when, when we have that over here yeah. when, when you were doing yours was it money or was it just to like beat the beat the guy and prove you're the best fighter what, what was the motivation there money <laughs> yeah you got paid it was all under the table stuff there were unsanctioned fights yeah you know, let's hope the irs aren't listening Right, yeah, yeah. That money's long gone. There's no trail. Yeah, it was done that way. I mean, I had been in some interesting uh, fights, you know, and uh, that. And then uh, even some later on when UFC was brand new, so they would have, and pretty much illegal everywhere, there would be fights on Indian reservations, which weren't sanctioned by the state. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and so essentially they pretty much made up the rules and your original you'll see, I mean, pretty much the rules were that you just couldn't rip out their eyes, you know. You could kick them in the balls, uh, kick their head when they were down on the ground. There was no gloves. And they'd be and they'd be paying customers that would give someone some money, and then they'd collect look, that together I, and give you some of it. I, how's it How's it work? I, I don't know. Look, I was just there <laughs> doing whatever I did. <laughs> I don't want to, you know. be part of primal promotion. Oh, yeah, no, it was nothing. I remember, do you ever see the movie Escape from New York? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. In, the, in the beginning, with Kurt Russell, great actor. I love all his movies and those John Carpenter films. They live. Well, that was with Roddy Piper. That's and, a great film. Yeah, yeah that, and, that, that was yeah. Right. He did. Uh, you know, he did a lot of really kind of cool movies back in the in terrible special effects, but I love the movies. But so, I, Escape from New York. There's one scene where Snake Plissken, uh, he comes to and he gets into the into the ring and it's like a bob wire ring, you know. And he gets in with the, this guy who was I think his name was Ox. He was actually a professional wrestler with a giant mustache. Do you remember the scene, Tom? He gets in the ring and they have a club with like spikes on it. Yeah. And and, and the crowds around and they're, and they're gonna fight. You know, Snake Plissken's gonna fight this guy. So anyway, if you get you could probably YouTube that scene. But I'm I'm up in wherever I'm at. And I'm, they're going over the rules and, and the chaos. And, and, and where we were fighting was uh, very re- reminiscent of that scene. And I remember sitting there thinking about that scene going, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, why am I doing this? It, it, was, it, was, it was nuts. But, hey, you know, uh, I made it out alive. So it was an experience. Would you go back and do it again? Uh, probably. I'd do better. You know, I did real well. But... <laughs> yeah. But it was, you know, the fights weren't glorious. They weren't, you know, they were guys were getting messed up, you know. You get punched in the face with a knuckle, you know, on your yeah. nose and your eye socket without gloves. It's it's not pretty. But anyway, so that that, that was a lot of fun. 
<laughs> time to reminisce. But... One, one more thing, just, just going back to UFC, because we, yeah. we keep tangenting off, which is kind of what chat shows do, right? But, right. Um, did you see Faber had a heart attack in the ring? No. Um, on, on Saturday, yeah. But he, I didn't he, see the whole so, fight. You're right. So apparently, apparently, the whole undercard was, was full of great fights. Um, uh, uh, I think that was Johnny Mack was telling me that, but a couple of other guys said the same thing. And um, Faber, and don't quote me, I don't know who he was who he was fighting, but I saw a picture of him in his hospital bed, and he'd had he'd had a heart attack. And I think w- when you see uh, there's some fights, you know, like what, what, um, which which one was it where McGregor banged um, his opponent out in 13 seconds, where you know you don't see that level of violence that we saw at the weekend with um, GSP. Right, uh, a Bisping and, and Fabe having a heart attack, but it is, I mean, it shows you how brutal like it, it, it all is, I guess. Right. So that was it. There was no other news from it, or no, no, no. I was just, I was just sort of highlighting the the the, the kind of brutality and how, how um, I, I guess, serious it gets. You know, oh, cause, oh, cause yeah, because he's a top level athlete to, right. so to have a heart attack. It's not going to be performance related. Right, right. There was some other issue going on. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that does happen to top athletes. They have some kind of heart condition or something else that brings it on. Look, and years ago when the UFC originally started back in 93, I think it was something like April of 93 or something like that, and it, I remember watching it. was on a little bit earlier at night, and, um, and, and you know, people thought it was so barbaric. And I, it kind of – it was at some level, but I was a big mar- – I was a martial artist and, and became a fan of it immediately – um, and then it was outlawed for the you know a lot of years in a lot of states and wasn't you know really fan friendly. You have multiple weight classes, multiple a lot of skill levels, mostly a lot of tough guys and real tough guys with big balls going in these things to, to fight these guys. It had to change. It had to become more fan friendly. Had to get rounds and have to get weight divisions. All that yeah. mattered because it wouldn't be the sport it was today when it was originally designed by. The Gracies. It was designed to showcase their martial art primarily, which was fantastic. But you can see how it has evolved. It doesn't even go back yeah. and rent, or if you rent, watch U, a UFC one through let's say five. Completely different game on every single level. So um, uh, my, my earliest memories of it, and I, this is before I did martial arts, was was my friend would have like the VHSs, and sometimes yeah. they'd show fights late night. And they would be, it was very much about one person's style versus another person's right. style. And you might have a karate guy in a gi versus, you know, um, I don't know, taekwondo guy, right. something like that. But, but, but the, the, it kind of had that interesting dynamic because it became, wasn't necessarily about who was the best fighter. You were kind of testing out the different styles. Yeah. Whereas like now that with, with the MMA and the UFC as it is today, it's, it's, it's a kind of, it's kind of all blended together to be what's what's effective. It's quite dis- it's difficult to distinguish a particular style or yeah. a certain martial art. Right. It had it had to be well. Which goes look, you go on YouTube nowadays and you can type in kung fu kung fu versus taekwondo or jeet kune do versus this, and really it boils down to the fighter and his athleticism and his sense of training. Quasi, I've seen tremendous taekwondo fighters who are well rounded and their coaches or their Senseis or instructors were excellent, while other ones could not fight their way out of a paper bag. So, you, you know, but having this doesn't also, by the way, when you fight in one system and style solely, uh, you are training often to fight that other Win Chun guy or that other Kung Fu guy. So when someone comes at you with something different, let's say a takedown or 
a different kind of a sidekick or something like that, it throws you off because you've never seen it before. I'll give you an example. Not long ago, we invited a guy who's Jim. I don't want to mention any names. Who's friends of ours? Now this guy is an accomplished martial arts. He does a lot of different things, but he does pure Muay Thai. Pure Muay Thai is fantastic. Nothing wrong with it at all, right? So he came in and he they were kickboxing a bunch of my guys. Now my kicking style boxing is very hybrid. A lot of JKD kicks and different things that you pick up. A lot of Muay Thai kicks in there too. But what my guys did when we went up against him, we worked the lead hook kick to the inside of the leg. Right, and then followed by yeah. some other different sidekicks and different things. Not, and they still did round kicks. Their guys had tre- tremendous trouble defending any of those kicks because they yeah. they're, they're not used to defending them. They don't see them. They're fighting another pure Muay Thai fighter, so you have those three or four or five kicks, or whatever it is, and that's all you defend. So all of a sudden, a guy comes in with a low line hook kick to the leg, right, and then maybe a, a spinning kick or some whatever my guys were doing. And I was encouraging him to try and exp- experiment with things to see how it worked. Well, my guys really had no problem in this particular case. They were tough fight, but they were able to score, and the other the other fighters weren't able to defend. And their particular coach had come and said, "Man, I forgot about all those cool kicks." <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So that was an issue right there. Now, had they figured it out, they could have may have beaten them. It wasn't about who beat who. It was just the example is that they weren't they were so used to defending against nothing but real Muay Thai that when you come out of the gate with something different that they hadn't seen often they can yeah. land you know a spinning kick or a spinning elbow can be pretty damn effective especially when the guy's not waiting for it i think a lot of instructors they don't teach their fighters to be intelligent um right so i think one great thing an instructor can do is you can you can just get people doing reps now if, if, if you've done like as, as bruce lee said you know ten thousand of a certain yeah. kick it, you know you're, you're going to have that nailed nailed down and that's a weapon that you can deploy at any time right but but there's it's there's more than that because you need to know when to use that kick and that's where like you know tactics sparring you know you use it using your brain working with different fighters and and i think problem solving so so andy jansen for example puts a lot of um emphasis on problem solving so mm-hmm. you know you're fighting someone who's who's got this weapon and 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 that might totally change the dynamic because they've got a knife so what you were planning to do um that's a really simplified example right um so you there's so many things you can do drills like that but you you need to get your um students or or or, uh, um doing doing things like that no no absolutely you can't teach one to it has to go beyond that's the breadth and depth at the topics at hand so when you're doing that you know, often as martial arts or whatever we're doing, we are uh, just top line. You know, we're able to do the, you know, the punch, the kick or whatever that you need to answer that who, what, where, how, why, and when we are doing anything and then be able to troubleshoot off of that without a doubt, which is not that easy to do. And it takes a little bit of time and knowledge. And hopefully the guy or girl that you're working with can kind of give you that uh, knowledge or at least help you to, to attain it. Cause there is so much more. I was actually writing something, um, the other day with submission fighting and, uh, and I just happened to pick submission fighting as the topic. It could be a, but any, quite honestly, it could be any martial art, uh, that you want it to be, but it had to be submission fighting. So for example, here's, here's what I did. So I'm going to kind of top line this one. And I'll share this with you privately, but so let's assume, you're doing a positional domination. I don't know how exciting this is for the crowd, right? So, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Fuck them. Um, so we have the mount, the cross side, north south, right in the guard, 
holding the guard and back. Would you? And there's many subcategories. I was just picking those things. Yeah. And then you pick three to five ways to maintain or control that position. And then you maybe three to five counters, preemptive counters, right, to, to stop that person from establishing that position. Uh, three to five escapes, right? Early, mid, and late phase counters, and those escapes are, are all right. So there's 15 there. Three to five offensive and defensive transitions from position to position, three to five variations of each of the above, because each instructor might have a different take. There might be a Sambo take, a BJJ take, a catch take. Anyway, what that breaks down to, just in those positions alone, is 45 possible positions yeah. from the above. Yeah. Out of that, we have 270 variations, and, right? and that doesn't include any subcategories. Half guard, butterfly guard, blah, blah, blah. See how big it gets? Now our notebook gets gigantic. And then we have to have that daily dissolve and get rid of that. And it's a huge amount of stuff. And then I took it, I'm not done, with submissions, blah, blah, blah. And I just worked on three submissions, some arm bars, chokes, and leg locks. That comes to 540 variations. Let's do math, for example. If that became to 1,000 variations off of just these two categories in submission fighting, right? That's a shitload of moves to remember. How do you remember? So it's more of a philosophical thing of being able to identify that. But on top of that, then you take the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, that 20% of what you're doing, that's 80% of the results. That really breaks it down. Yeah. You only need to know 200 moves. But how do you know what the fuck those 200 moves are? <laughs> so that is, so I wrote this down on the board the other day off the top of my head, why I have nothing better to do. But I'm just working with this premise on trying to establish and build some knowledge, some depth of knowledge with the students, as opposed to them just being replicators. Years ago, Hawk Hockheim said to me, uh, just in a conversation, you know, do you want to be a replicator or do you want to be an innovator? And he said, Jim, you're an innovator. And I said, well, thank you. <laughs> but that's where, that's how I approach different things when I'm doing martial arts. And these three to five things, hang on one second, could be anything. They're your three to five things, not my to three to five things. You know, I might, and I should be able to explain to you, hey, Tom, I like these things because I'm tall, I'm short, I'm fat, I'm slow, whatever it might be. Uh, yeah. And then your three to five things could be different. And it's good to know th that for aeration because that allows you to st study that, defend against it, and then teach others. Wow, that was – I got off my soapbox. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> no, 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 that's, no, that's great. That's great. Oh, um, yeah, it's exciting. The, the ratings just spiked through the roof. <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, fuck them. It's, this is what interests us. If you that's don't like right. It, it, no. It's all about us. Look, I mean, for, for me – you, you can have that endless list of uh, endless endless list of martial arts moves, right? And there is that stuff, right? But when when you start to certainly when you get towards like a black belt stage, it's, you start to knit things together. So you find those common connections between all yeah. those moves. Yeah. And like you said, end of the day, it, it, it starts from those uh, three or four positions. Right. So you know you, you so actually if I do everything off this one position, you so you can narrow things down. Um, one thing, another another point to, to what you're saying is, um, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm kind of a junior level instructor under under Lack, and I'm I'm, I'm growing in that direction under Pat as well. Yeah. Um, we we've got two slightly more junior in, instructors are, are kind of making that transition to being instructors. James Maboa, who you've met Oh, James. Times. Oh, my. Yeah, so, so James <laughs> has started teaching quite a lot. He, he um, Really? He, he's hopefully going to set up his own satellite school soon. James and, is? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I mean, just, just going, going back to, to James, it's, it's, uh, um, 
I remember in 2010, like I, I was teaching little bits of stuff to James uh-huh. um, at a, a Tim Tackett seminar up up in Leicester. And he was such a diligent student. You know, he was really listening and hanging on every word and asking <laughs> the right questions. That it oh, was the cool. first time where I ever thought, actually, I wouldn't mind teaching this stuff. Wow. Now, obviously, if you had a, a class of James Maboas, you'd be very lucky because he, right. he's very dedicated. He's yeah. very intelligent and all that kind of thing. Sure. Um, and a load of guys won't be like that. They'll be messing around. They can't concentrate and you've got to do different stuff for them. But it was one of the first times where I thought I wouldn't mind teaching this, this stuff. Um, and the, the other thing is I've seen him sort of develop as quite a shy, um, a, a shy human being when he joined our class into someone like when you get him instructing, he's very authoritative. He's, he's quite a disciplinarian, um, and he doesn't really tolerate any bullshit. So it's kind of, it's been interesting to see him develop from being a, I guess, around a 20-year-old to, to um, being about 27 or, or something like that, whatever he is now. Right. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's rewarding to see that journey. It, go, going back to um, Satar's another guy who's teaching. And what, what I said to the guys, I said, look, they they were they were demoing some some stuff, and I said, look, it's it's really important, and in relation to what you were saying about being an innovator, I, I don't want you just to to teach exactly the same thing in the same style as Lack did it, or perhaps as I did it. Right. It's important that you bring something to the system. You're you're now at that stage where you're not not a million miles off being a black belt. Um, you know, we need you to be bringing stuff. So, so Satar's done a lot of a screamer. James has done BJJ. You know, bring some of that knowledge back in um, to, to the JKD world and, and enrich that. Don't just repeat and, and right. regurgitate the stuff we've taught you. That was another long rant, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, we're, we're both passionate about this stuff. We and are. therefore, you, you are going to, you know, I, I, they can't shut me up in the pub. Once, once I get on martial arts, it's, that, that's the way it is. That's fine. All right, get him out here, Johnny Mac. All right, get McGrath out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what, one other, what, actually, one other thing as well. So, so mm. we ask a question yeah. um, on one of our gradings about how, how did the martial arts develop? And the answer is basically they developed in, in relation to their environment. So, right. um, for example, and I won't, I won't give an endless list, but you could do a whole show on this and it is really interesting uh-huh. stuff. So, so um, the way the, the Muay Thai um, lift their knee was because they'd be in the paddy fields and they'd be lifting it out of the mud, their feet out of the mud. It was important the toes were down so they could actually lift their knees up in order to, to actually kick. Okay. Um, some of the Chinese stuff around the horse stance would be because they would be fighting on boats that are unsteady. Um, the Koreans didn't have horses. The Japanese did. So it's important. It, Taekwondo values the high kick because they could kick the Japanese off their horses. That's a high kick, brother. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could get a little rocking horse. I could kick a little three-year-old off, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, proper Taekwondo guys can do that, right? Well, I am not a proper Taekwondo. Uh, the Filipino stuff that you know, there's a lot of the stick kind of um, the, the the stick drills, the patterns w- would come from. They they would be training on the beach. Anyway, the, the, in relation to what you were saying is. That those environments have changed. So if, right. you're, if you're if you're in the West, you don't need to worry about lifting your knees out of the mud. You don't no. need to worry about kicking someone off their horse. The, the, the environment's changed. 
So you can't just you can't just train exclusively in that box to say I, I am a Thai fighter and I fight only by their rules because once you go and fight one of Jim McCann's guys, they're going to kick you in a different way, right? And you know, right, and throw it off. But that's true. That's what the cross training and going back to the MMA kind of just especially you know there are rules involved, but they've kind of take a lot of best of the best and kind of blend it together. Some do the blend better than others. Obviously, even in that, you'll see guys that are more wrestling dominant, guys who are more uh, striking dominant. Then you get that guy, you know, that is came from a traditional background like Shogun and, you know, does the traditional kicks. And I was like, oh, my God, how fantastic is that? You know, so it's an interesting blend. But anyway, hey, a couple of things here. Now, um, we have to set up interviews for the next coming weeks. We do have the holidays coming up. Well, here are the holidays because you don't celebrate Thanksgiving over there. But it doesn't affect us. We'll, we will still it be does. doing the show that week. Um <clears throat> I was looking now. Eric Scheffler, let's head on. Eric, Eric did win. Now, those, he's a dear friend of ours. Eric Scheffler, uh, lifetime martial arts, fantastic real world martial arts, ran for the sheriff uh, uh, in Atlantic County, New Jersey, and Eric won. Yeah, I, I, I saw Did you that see on that? Okay. I, I was actually going to say we, we need to do a shout out to him, um, but yes. you, you knew anyway. Right. But, so uh, Eric won, which is great. Look, I, you know, I, I guess he went out. You do what you do to. I don't even know how long the term is in the count. If it's two years, four years, I, I, I don't know how. And I really don't know what the hell that means now to the sheriff. <laughs> Gets to wear a big cowboy hat and a gun. I mean, I feel like he's been running for office forever for a long time. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it, it does. They go for a long period of time. I mean, it starts months out in advance. You know, when you run for a bigger office, he's even long. Could have been six months, maybe even longer. Um, I don't know when he decided, but he was at Atlantic City police officer in Atlantic City. There's a lot of action. You do have the casinos, but Atlantic yeah. City does have a lot of gang problems. Once you get off that major strip there on the water, some parts of that uh, town can be pretty dangerous. But anyway, congratulations to Sheriff Eric Scheffler out there. Uh, we're proud of you, brother. And, uh, you know, we'll get you on the show uh, when you have a free moment and, and BS with you and uh, and have you up. But anyway, so I looked at you, know, you had on your list here. Uh, Andrew, did, when did you want to get Andrew on the show? Is he? Uh, I, anytime, anytime. Oh, any I mean, I, I could probably get him on next week, but um, yeah. uh, unless he's out of the country, he does a lot of uh, uh, bodyguarding. CP, right. Oh, but, does he? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and who's, yeah, he, who, he he trains people. So he, he's trained like the Gurkha regiments and stuff like that. So he, he's normally the sort of um, empty hand edge weapons trainer on these um, bodyguard courses. Right. Now, he trains under Pat. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's where his knowledge, I guess, stems from. Yeah, he's done a lot of FMA, but um, he you. also trains under a guy called Mick Coop, who, who um, mm. I think is Hawk's main representative in in the UK. He's a combatives guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, actually, because and uh, oh, the other thing, because we have this whole list of guys we're gonna we'll, we'll get we'll get someone on for next week, and we'll, we'll announce it on Facebook and whatnot. Now, Tom, we had talked briefly now because your scheduling is changing up a little bit uh, for our thing. You want to move us back, what, like a half hour, hour? Um, an, an hour. I mean, it, could, I'm, could you I'm do expect- a half hour? Would that be too uh, tight on your schedule? Here's why. Because believe, after us, I know it's shocking. We are actually in a real studio <laughs> and there's real other shows here. We have a, 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 a gentleman who's going to be doing a show right after us so if we moved it to one it would keep us on a tight schedule we could do it but there would be zero 
messing around. We got to get our shit on and, and out in that hour. Right now, we do have that freedom to go over that hour. So even if it was 45 yeah. minutes later, we could do that. That would give us that window or a half hour. And that date is when? When's that due date, Tom, that we need to switch that time? Well, I, I'm still waiting for a job offer. Uh, but <laughs> That's I, I, how I've we're not... To... <laughs> There's no it's stress. Some stu- it's, it's some stupid shit. So they, they, they've said it... They said it would be coming for like the last three and a half weeks now, and they 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 made the mistake of raising the role as a permanent job when I'll, I'll only do contract work, which is yeah. slightly better paid, right. but a bit a bit more uncertain. So, of course, um, they've had to re-raise the whole thing. And um, anyway, uh, all being well, I hope to be back there soon. But right now, I mean, I, we can continue at this time until further notice. Yeah, look, and if not, we can move stuff around because we we don't record live because we were doing it live initially on Saturdays at 9 p.m. New York time. That would be three in the morning for you. <laughs> and <laughs> no one's going to be listening to the UK at that. It was a great time. We got some good guests. It was a lot of fun. And I did like going live because, and look, we don't edit the show quite obviously from the startup the other week because Ruben gave me the wrong cue. <laughs> <laughs> and I started the intro there, but we went live with you. So I wanted it to play out just like it would be live. So there's no, uh, you know, no, no editing. I don't know, but that's how I like it. I think that's how the show works best. And I did get some feedback, by the way, people, not only Alana and myself thought your intro was the best when you did zero preparation. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's a lesson to be learned there. Yeah. yeah right. And the lesson is what? <laughs> <laughs> listen to jim listen to jim he's, that's he's right a radio well, professional well i don't know about that but i just think you, you did a better job because you sounded more natural and i know you know lock you know all these guys intimately but it came off it just had to be what it would be and when you you were over prepared perhaps and then when you were just talked off uh off the top of your head it was much better much more natural you had to listen when you listened <laughs> back did you not get that sense yeah, I, as I say, I, I've just realized that I basically can't read. No, you can't, can read. certainly can't read out loud. No, no, you can, but it is different than when you are reading something and then you're on the air and doing it, you become much more self-conscious. And then a word yeah. like, you know, the becomes an issue. <laughs> you just get stuck on a little yeah, I'll just word. just miss that out. I miss out the buzz and the yeah. ads. And, What's and that word? I never read that right. You get stuck and, you, and then, of course, you're focusing. Oh, shit, I can't read this word. And then like two <laughs> seconds of dead air has gone out there. Yeah. yeah. And then you real. don't sound professional. <laughs> yeah. But that, otherwise, I thought it was great. I'm enjoying the show. We're going to obviously get. No, there was. Well, actually, okay. So this week, here's what we got to do. This is our two-day list. We're going to figure out about the iTunes thing. You, are you in charge of this, Tom? Yeah. Good, because I have no idea. <laughs> if it wasn't you. All right. So you'll get us that information. We'll decide. We're going to announce, hey, yes, we're going to be putting this on iTunes. You can put, I'm assuming we can put all the episodes on there. Sure. Right? Gene says we can. Yeah. yeah. So you'll find that out. And then what's this about doing another show or another hour? Well, I mean, what I was kind of thinking, you wouldn't have to do it every single week, but I was, uh, I was thinking you could have one interview episode mm-hmm. and one kind of us talking episode I got some weeks you could just get rid and just the thing is with podcasts is like not you can do them as often or as unoften as you want right but with with this show we but need we're to not really least, a, we're not a podcast one every Saturday. we're a step up of the the food chain here yeah although it yes. does get put on because on spreaker is spreaker considered podcast what is spreaker no, it's not. It's yeah sorry i can't hear you no, they have podcasts as well, but they are considered uh, for radio and podcasts. 
So it's like it's it's a conglomeration of both. So iTunes would be the podcast. Um, even iTunes is not really a podcast. Podcasts are like uh, Stitcher Radio, um, the podcast podcast tastic, something like that. Mm-hmm. They're the podcast, and we can still be on there too. So vice versa, everybody could be either way. Now we oh, could be on many of them, like eight or ten of them. Speaking of which, now I do have some guests which no one in the world knows but me. This is one of my students, Annie, and her friend Chelsea, and they are batshit crazy, and they are know all everything about every um, conspiracy theory and all this stuff. They don't watch. I think that would be a fun show to have them on because they're incredibly entertaining. You don't need to know who they are to speak to them, and then we can bring Gene and Ruben into that mix. But I don't have a date for them yet. But they're they're very interesting people. The other thing is. By the way, do you know who Wim Hof is, Tom? No. Wim he Hof. Is, like, okay, yeah, he's the Iceman. If you Google in the word Iceman, uh, Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F-F, he um, is a guy who does cold therapy and has done all kinds of interesting things. There's a YouTube documentary on Fascinating. Everything he's done has been tested by science. Not only that, but he can teach other people how to do this. Uh, like you start off with cold showers and it's submerged and he's got all these world records. He was actually able to raise his body temperature while he was encased in ice for an hour. He raised his core body temperature. He was in, in, uh, injected with neurotoxins or whatever that would be and his body was able to diffuse it. But he doesn't just do it. Now, this is all done in universities in, in, in Europe and he can teach other people how to do this. Um, anyway, the reason I bring up Wim Hof's name is uh, Annie and Chelsea have uh, gone and trained with Wim Hof and are actually going to get officially like a level one certification out in Colorado, I think next week. And uh, so uh, it, I think that would be fascinating. And look, Wim Hof will get him on the. He is out in like Poland or something like that. But fantastic, interesting story. I'd suggest you uh, check him out. But anyway, hey, another great episode of Nothing. Uh, from Primal Radio, you can hear us Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Uh, New York time. Saturday nights, 9 p.m. UK time. Find us on HamiltonRadio.net. Then uh, you can pick us up on the Spreaker Radio. And Tom will have us on iChat hopefully by next week. Um, I don't know, Tom. Oh, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, PrimalRadioNJ.com. If they want to get a hold of you, Tom, it's what? London, JKDLondon.com. JKDLondon and or uh, RapidArnest.com. RapidArnest.com. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll be back next week. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.